And hello, listeners. Welcome to or back to another episode of Black Sheep and Bad Apples. I am your host, Lauren O'Brien, and this is a podcast where we take a look into history and uh, and I tell my friends about what I learned. And today, the buddy, my friend, and I'm the co-host, Sam. Sam Mitchell. <laughs> How are you doing today, Sam? I'm pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm busting my ass. Yeah, doing uh, some physical labors fixing some houses yes uh yes labor skilled labor tradesmen oh really i've been installing these massive fucking windows okay i uh i just got the third one installed yesterday and how, how big uh, are they like seven foot by seven foot basically jesus christ it's got four sashes, right? So it's divided in half vertically, and then those windows okay. are divided in half and go up and down, right? Um, and all all told, each each window, I think the biggest one, because one's like six inches shorter than the other two. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Um, all told, the big ones weigh like 200 and fucking something pounds each. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you have to take out the, the the sashes and then the window frame is like fiberglass it doesn't weigh anything it's, yeah so it's like 40 pounds and because i've immediately forgotten you're installing them or removing them installing well removing the old ones and okay. installing the new ones yeah i was gonna say because so. re- removing the removal part to me sounds much more scary than the uh than the installation uh, I've never done either though, so that's probably why. Well, the old ones came out in two pieces, so okay, and you could take all the windows out. You know what I mean? You take all the sashes out, and then it's an aluminum frame. It's even lighter. Oh shit! Well, that's but it's all like dope. glued in and spray foamed in place and shit. It was a nightmare. Anyway, well, that's not what this podcast is not about. My work day. Well, it is about. It isn't about your work. Don't leave day. me hanging, dude. What's it about? I don't. I don't even know. Sam, I'm the I'm the worst co-host ever. I have no idea what's happening. Sam, this is probably the first time that I told you just minutes before we started, but we are covering a topic tonight. We're going to be talking a little bit about work, actually. Oh, so the, it was totally relevant. It was exactly was relevant, yeah. <laughs> God, what is, that's, just, that's just some sort of divinity right there. It's just some sort of divinity. Anyway, work. Starting a cult. What is it? Why is it awful and mandatory? And what's its end game? Uh, it's not mandatory. Why, Hold on. Why do back, back why up. do we do it? <laughs> we hate ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I got curious today, so I started writing, and turns out that I can write almost six and a half thousand words in a day, and so I wrote this little ditty about just what is work. Um, so let's <laughs> let's start with that. Um, work is basically what every single thing on this planet does to survive. If you're a bunny, you build a burrow or what the fuck ever, and you find leafy greens, and you all do all this while avoiding everything that wants to eat you. Um, if you're an ant, you also build a shelter and search for food, but you do it while trying to murder everything or avoid anything that wants to eat you in your colony. Bacteria don't need shelter, but they have certain habitats in which they thrive. And so like, everything has to work you know what i mean it we don't just get to be here you know there's no free lunch liberal (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry and i apologize to anyone that i offended with that yeah liberals seriously buck up because it was funny it was funny um and so 
you know, we're talking about, you know, animals and bacteria and stuff and all that's kind of basic stuff. And humans are, we're much more complex. You know, we've got traffic systems and Netflix subscriptions and like, we, we have all these like. Blue horizon. Yeah. We, <laughs> we have all these things that, uh, that aren't necessary for survival, but we still just need a few things to survive. You know, generally work, uh, in our sense of the word provides every living thing with what it needs, you know, in, in base its basic needs in regards to food, water, and shelter. However, this trio presupposes that we don't have a fourth secret need met. Sam, do you want to guess what our fourth secret need is? Love. It's love, love, love. Is it love? No, it's actually clothes. Sex? We need huh? clothes. Clothes. Clothes? The things, yeah, the things you're wearing. Oh, because you we're people. Yeah, because we're people. Have you ever seen the show uh, oh. uh, Alone or Naked and Afraid? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, that's... that's Sure. That's Fucking, yeah. That's basically what human survival looks like, but, like, we have to have the clothes, you know? Um, we don't have fur anymore, so we need clothes to survive the woods. We'll get well, eaten by bugs or stuff. You know, you know. Uh, funny you should say that, because... I don't necessarily agree with you. I'm going to just start right away by making uh, um, a complete, like a statement in All right. almost total ignorance. Uh, we we are we are warm blooded creatures, and uh, when you're when you're like being very active as a warm blooded creature, your body produces an immense amount of heat. Sure, uh, and it's very easy to get overheated anytime it's warm and you're wearing clothes. Like you don't have to do shit. Yeah, in Florida in the summertime to like die from the heat because you're wearing clothes. Absolutely. Uh, and oh, uh, you know the world's a lot warmer now than the whole rest of when we were. Yeah, uh, the whole so, rest of when we were. <laughs> so. You know, I think we, we, we don't really need as many clothes necessarily as you think we do. And, and and indeed, if you look anywhere where people live in like tropical climates, like basically they're just wearing something. I mean, literally the guys that live in Papua New Guinea wear a bird skull on their cock. That's their only clothing. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm... you can't see me shrugging, but I'm shrugging. Yeah. My hands are up in the air. We don't need clothes as long as the environment allows for it. And I think for a long time we were a lot tougher and needed much less in the way of clothing for cold weather and stuff like that too. So yeah, well, in in all this is kind of presupposing that we are in the show alone or naked and afraid. You know, like those guys go out there in the woods and uh, they don't start with nothing, which is kind of the point that I'm I'm getting Sam to just took off his shirt. <laughs> That's the point that I'm getting to. They don't they don't necessarily start with nothing, you know, and so they 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 wear clothes because it is going to be fucking cold out there. And and honestly, naked and afraid doesn't, but a lot of them make shoes and shit. And all this to say is that we need, we do need a protective layer in some cases. Sure. Um, sure. We don't have a tough hide. There's definitely exactly. that. Yeah. And you so, know? you know, food, water, clothes, and shelter are what you listener who is presumably human need to survive. Um, and in those shows, people go out in the woods, uh, you know, and they go out there to like build their home out of logs and rock, mo like rocks and mosses and shit. And, but we civilized folk, we don't really have the pleasure of, you know, just going out into the woods due to, like, trespassing laws and a bunch of other shit we can't really get into for this episode. Speak for your fucking self. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, shit. So, Sham, Sam is showing me his verdant green fields again. You did this. Yes, uh, the woods. You did this a couple of episodes ago as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice view. I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah, if somebody were to just move onto your property and start building a log cabin, you'd have some questions, you know? 
Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, right. And so, like, you know, there's a bunch of trespassing laws and stuff that we're not going to get into, but we are still talking about work. Um, and so let's let's hypothetically say that we were able to obtain safe land. Next, we need to cut down trees. We but we also need like tools. Obviously, the easiest easiest place for us to get tools is the hardware store. But if you don't have a hardware store, you're gonna need some skill in building an axe handle and an axe head, both of which you know require a functional amount of skill. You're gonna need clothes if you're gonna go out there too. Probably like beddings because you won't build your whole cabin in one day like obviously you're going to need a lot if you're going to try to build this hypothetical cabin in the woods um sure but, but you can do it i mean people did people ab- have absolutely um but society builds on itself you know that's how we got where we were because this all started with like flint but that's, um that's where we're getting actually but you know uh what's that youtube channel oh, primitive primitive technologies you ever seen that i'll uh, plug this guy right here right now not that one specifically um, but i've seen a bunch of them a bunch of like, uh, the survival and it's stuff. these great videos where he's just doing the thing you don't need language to learn what he's doing yeah it's you know he'll teach you how to make an axe or a whatever charcoal a house a radiant floor yeah out of clay which is dope because honestly like it would be nice to just be able to like be like fuck society i'm going out into the fucking woods and i'm gonna live there forever you know i got a pocket full of seeds and a a a bowie knife or whatever i'm just gonna go out and build a fucking house and i don't need laws or government or politics or whatever you know and that's kind of what i'm what i'm talking about a little bit here you know and like all of, like going out into the woods would be easier with a second person, you know. For instance, if you had a person with experience building those, you know, axes while the other person was collecting water, you know, human beings have always kind of been tech bros in the sense that, like, you know, technology, new technologies are are more exciting. Like they're exciting, you know, they're the extension of human ability. We can plow more fields with an ox plowed, uh, ox pulled plow than we could by hand. We can cut down more trees and shit. Um, make more homes with an axe made by an experienced axe maker. Uh, you know, we could do that. We could buy an axe from this person, and that would be better than trying to make one from our own hands. And we sometimes even sleep on like how cool our phones are. Um, you could send information. It's not really important to what we're talking about, but I feel like talking about technology and how it extends our human ability. It's really interesting that we all just kind of take for gr- like you just sent me two memes moments before we got on this podcast call, and uh, yeah. yeah. And like yeah, instant. more more computer than we went to the moon with, and this is what I use it for. I send yeah, you memes. Sending memes, yeah. And so you're welcome. You know what's what's the point of all this that I'm talking about? What the fuck is going on with this? Like, why do we have to build a medical, uh, uh sorry, a metaphorical cabin in the woods? Um, well, because you know, in this hypothetical world, it gets cold at night. We get hungry, and fortunately, need. I mean, unfortunately, need to sleep. Um, if you ask me, that's kind of a major design flaw. I think. I think we should be able to opt out of sleeping in this this game. It's kind of the hard setting. Um, Bro, you probably can, but you're going to like pay for it in days <laughs> off the end of your life. You know what I mean? That's true. That'd be an awesome stat to it's put in. It's called, um, uh, what's that? It's a C word. I can't think of it. Um, co, 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 uh... co, co. Methamphetamine. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. The silent C at the beginning of it. <laughs> well, and also, if you, if you do a bunch of meth, you're definitely going to be trying to build a log cabin or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, you could get that shit done in a night. <laughs> ah, it would man, collapse. We both, lived, we both lived in Hayfork. We've seen cabins <laughs> that meth built. Yeah. 
the house that the house Matt built. <laughs> oh, is that a refrigerator door? <laughs> is that a, you just put a refrigerator there and cut the back off of it, and that's the that's your door. It's called industrial uh, chic. <laughs> anyway, so the reason for all this work and shit uh, is because we need a place to sit and to eat, and you know the the podcast. Yeah, to do the thing. I wrote thing, thing, thing three times right here. Um, but yeah, we need a place to sit, place to eat, to do the whole thing that is also extremely important and probably most underrated, relax. You know, that's the whole point. We work to relax. As oxymoronic as it sounds, the whole point of all that work, gathering food, fresh water, getting some fresh clothes and chopping trees, build shelter, all of this shit is meant so that we can relax, which is kind of the problem in today's day and age. How do we relax? We can relax with chilling by a f- by the fire in this metaphor, maybe doing like some little crafting, making like, I don't know, fish hooks or whatever. Um, Watch TV and buy shit on Amazon. Yeah, and exactly. The The problem with with current our relaxation today is that it's a lot more complex than our little wooden cabin metaphor can handle. So we're going to, we're going to steer away from the metaphors and kind of hop into a little bit of history here. Um, okay. <laughs> Cause as I mentioned a moment ago, my, it is my strong opinion that we work for leisure. In other words, we need to stop and smell the roses for our discussion today. Today, leisure. sorry, let me try that again for our discussion today. Leisure time, time to be lazy is when we have all of our affairs in order and can relax. You know, we can enjoy a movie or, you know, do something like that. Um, enjoying leisure time is what the native Caribbean people were doing and the Pacific Islanders were doing along with minding their own goddamn business when various European colonists stumbled onto their lands. The Europeans though, seeing that these Well, I people... mean they like oh, let's be real, they were there working too. Oh, uh, dude, obviously. But, you know, the point that I'm kind of making is that they had worked so much that they had everything they needed, you know? They could sit down and relax and I don't know. It's easy to live on a tropical island. It certainly is. Well, and and I even want to say like Native Americans had a relatively easy time of it too. Easy time isn't the right way to say that, but they they did like carefully um, organize their forests and their fields and meadows, and you know they these weren't yeah, and it spent ten thousand years doing that. Yeah, exactly. And so like everything was pretty. It was dialed pretty, in. Pretty, pretty even killed. Yeah. yeah. So when Europeans showed up, they were like, look at these fucking guys. They only go to hunt once a week. What the fuck is wrong with them? And it's like, well, we don't need anything more than that, you know. Um, And so, you know, again, the Europeans, seeing that these people weren't doing an industrial amount of work, saw these various native peoples as lazy and is followed by a theme as many, many, many people would call the native peoples they encountered lazy throughout history. Um. But, again, perhaps the Native folks just had their affairs more or less sorted and didn't really need to make a name for themselves by acquiring the most amount of shit or at very least more cooler, like, more and cooler shit than their neighbor. You know, like, they were just fine. Sam's eating an apple. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you always eat during this podcast, too, for some reason. (laughs) I'm I'm always hungry. Um, I'm a fat kid at heart. Uh... I mean, the, think about, think about like if you, if your family had just lived in this valley for the last ever, yeah, ever, what, I mean, everything's dialed in. Yeah. You everything's know. dialed in. What do you need to do more shit for? Why would you, 
Why wouldn't you just enjoy? Yeah, and you know that like during the summer you the go wind off and, and, and shit. get blackberries, and during the winter you can hunt bunnies, or you know, like you know that the you know tomatoes are gonna grow in the fall, or what the fuck ever. Like, yeah, exactly. These people have everything kind of dialed in, and like I don't know. The, I I guess one of the questions that I'm is, sure there's shit to do every day, but you're like, yeah, pretty routine, you know. Yeah, and we're gonna kind of get to that here in a little bit. Um. Not exactly that with, like, native peoples, but the fact that there was... We always haven't had so much goddamn work is kind of what I'm I'm getting to. And so, in regards to, like, the, the, the native peoples of these various places, again, it's, like, North America, the Caribbean, South America, even the Pacific Islands. Um, why, why were these people seen as lazy? And that's because they weren't building fortresses or exporting gold to the queen or whatever. They didn't have royalty to whom they could spoon feed tax money, so they just... They didn't. So these native folks from all these various regions have all their resources accounted for to such a degree that they can just chill and be, air quotes, lazy. They don't need anything. And ironically, the European explorers learned about hammocks because of the, air quotes, lazy Caribbean Tainos. So the only reason, like, pirate ships had hammocks, which are notably a very lazy thing, is because the Europeans encountered people who were, air quotes, being lazy. Like, we we have hammocks thanks to the Taino people who were apparently I don't know it it's just really weird because we have these industrial people that are like yeah a hammock you mean you just tie a piece of string up and like why don't you know. like type A fucking cracker ass <laughs> white people showing up out of nowhere like why aren't you working yeah for what sure what are you doing you're just you're just you're, look you're comfortable. No, I well, I mean, I do. God, I, I don't know about I, that. I do want some of that fish, though, actually. And what is this this sway? You're not thing? white enough to be this comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what it where we're getting to, Sam. Um. So. Again, oh wow! How did I guess? So again, all this all this begs the question: like, what is laziness? Um. Well, if we examine Devon Price's article on the insidious na- laziness lie at the heart of the American myth. Devon gives us a little perspective. So what we're going to do is we're going to read from that right now. Um, quote, The word lazy first appeared in English around 1540. Even back then, it was used as a judgmental way to mean uh, to mean someone who disliked work or effort. Many etymologists believe it came from either the Middle Low German leisch, which means feeble or weak, or from the Old English lesu, which means fake or evil. Uh, these two origins illustrate the odd doublespeak at work whenever we call someone lazy. When we say someone is lazy, we're saying that they're incapable of completing a task due to physical or mental weakness, but we're also claiming that their lack of ability somehow makes them morally corrupt. It's not that th- uh, it's not that they're tired or even dispirited in some way that we might sympathize with. The word implies that they're failures on a fundamental level. Uh, on a fundamental human level. The idea that lazy people are evil fakers <laughs> who deserve to suffer has been embedded, uh, embedded in the word since, it, since the very start, end quote. So... <laughs> that is so fucking... I, like... Because, you know, I, I, I kinda, I'm a lazy kind of guy. I don't want to... Well, the point that I'm getting to in all this... That, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be the guy that, like... Like, I can work hard. I do work hard all the time. But, Absolutely. like, I don't want to... Yeah. Who fucking want to? Who the fuck wants to? Who wants to? Oh, okay. You know, I'll just go exercise a bit and then let's go to the beach. Like, we could swim all day at the beach. Yeah. Tons of exercise. Very healthy. Very, Very relaxing. Yeah. And nobody's like, 
picking up a fucking 80 pound bag of cement anytime soon yeah and as we're gonna discuss like doing that is like good for your brain but also like um bad for industry so probably yeah probably should you can't disappoint the rockefellers you know anyway uh this article is really funny because he goes on to discuss how uh how you know this idea of laziness came from christianity which is so cool that so many things like circle back to that What is that book? How Christianity Destroyed Civilization? Oh, yeah. I actually just bought the book. Um, Where is it? How the Irish Saved Civilization. I haven't read it yet. but I, Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, yes, I'm, you're going to really like that. God bless those drunk monks in their monasteries, I man. I love it. Um, what do you want to do with this book? Should we burn it? No, 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 no. no, no. We're just going to put it in the we're, library. We're Let's have a drink. We're going to put it away and hide it. Um, <clears throat> and so... The funny thing about, like, you know, that Christianity... You can edit that out later, right? <laughs> I definitely will. So the funny <laughs> thing about Christianity... Do you see how I took a cut break there? Uh, the funny thing about Christianity is, you know, how it always circles back to Christianity and, like, laziness does, too. Um, and see, the Puritans thought that God made you um, hard workers when they came over here to the new colonies. They thought that God made you hard workers because he wanted you in heaven. And those that weren't hardworking were seen as already cursed by God to head to hell. So that's pretty cool. Right, 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 right. Oh. What is that? Um, uh, idle hands make for the devil's, devil's work, I think. Oh, what is It's something like that. No, no. Uh, I remember the one Idle from... hands make banana bread. Idle hands make <laughs> banana bread, and that's Satan's fruit. Uh. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's uh, the do- idle hands are the devil's plaything or something like that. Idle, um, yeah, like... Uh, i'll google it jesus christ but um and then there was the one from i think it was water boy where it's like or uh was it joe dirt it was joe dirt okay uh i idle hands uh make for the devil's dingling that's (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like water boy oh man what a a good movie um anyway one or the other so again uh you know the puritans thought that god made you a hard worker because he wanted you in heaven and vice versa for people who you know were going to go to hell but also working was it wasn't just good for you sam um it also improved your relationship with god somehow um from laziness lie again quote the puritans had a long uh had a long Sorry, the Puritans had long believed that if a person was a hard worker, it was a sign that God had chosen them for salvation. Hard work was believed to improve who you were as a person. Conversely, if a person couldn't focus on a task at hand or self-motivate, it was a sign that they had already been damned. This meant, of course, that there was no need to feel sympathy for Everybody with ADHD is going straight (laughs) to motherfucking hell! This meant, of course, that there was no need to feel sympathy for people who struggled or failed to meet their responsibilities. By lacking the drive to succeed, they were displayed to the world that god hadn't chosen them for heaven end quote wow (laughs) and you better pull yourself up by your bootstraps there's there's no no glass ceilings don't exist uh no no and also we all start from the same place sam you know what we all start from the same place we've all got you know oh, totally the, even yeah totally even, totally even. That's... i have never once have i benefited ever from <laughs> the color of my skin nope. or the amount of money that my family has nope. that's never i i 
you're actually I'm a self-made man. It, it well, and it shows because you're actually recording this from inside of an Arby's dumpster. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I live here. This is my Obama phone. Yeah. Okay, you can't see it because I'm I'm doing this on it, but yeah, obviously. Uh, so uh Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing this from uh in inside a fucking modern office yeah built in a two hundred and something year old barn on a very nice piece of property that my parents own. Yeah, so. and, and you know, praise to our blessings, you know, like we, we only get so many of them and it, it does feel really good to to appreciate what we have because of things like this that, that we're discussing. Um so yeah, you know, all all of this is like good and cool, you know, the whole like people who don't work hard aren't chosen by God. Um you know, the the whole good if you're good for nothing, you know what you, you know what could help you? Some work. It'll improve the way God Prayer. sees you. And if you do, you know, all the hard Prayer. work, you'll be rewarded in heaven, bro. And honestly, all this kind of it feels very Pavlovian to me in the sense of like training dogs. You know, you train them with a treat for so long that they'll eventually do it without the treat. Um so again, it's good and cool I mean, if you stuff. train your dog right, the treats love, and that's bound boundless. Yeah, uh, you know. So yeah. So um, since going to heaven was dope and working hard, you know, farming fields and building shit was hella sick. Obviously, we had to tech bro it out and scale that up, right? And it was the perfect time to do so. It was the perfect time to spread this idealism, this this ideal rather, to to a bunch of other places. And it was especially good um, because Colonial America began doing that really cool thing that we all like to talk about, especially on this podcast. They started doing a slavery. <laughs> yes, the slavery. So if we could convince, Fuck. so if we could convince these people that. You know, we stole from God knows where um, that they can improve themselves and make God happy by working hard. But uh, I mean, you know, they can save themselves. Africa, dude, dude, not God knows where they they were. They were stolen from Africa. Yeah, just... it, I was trying to be more tongue in cheek and sarcastic about that. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry if that didn't sorry. come across. Yeah, I'm already <laughs> offended. Well, you said <laughs> slavery and I'm ready to go burn something. Fuck. Well, and this is why this is why I edit stuff a couple of times and I've only edited this. Like I, <laughs> I, I wrote I wrote this whole thing today. So, um, yes, apolog- <laughs> apologies for the tone. Anyway, yeah. And like by teaching these people working hard, you know, you can save your soul and, and you can become like us. Um, you know, it it was a part of how they convinced these people to be obedient. And also, you know, the more of it that sucks for you, the happier God is. You know, at this point in time, it was like self like they were trying to convince these people like self-flagellation, like God really likes when you're in physical pain or ag- agony. You know, it's the whole like sweat is just weakness Dude, leaving your been... body, you know. And it, this is this has been Christianity's bit the whole way. Yeah. Right. Dude, look, look, look at Jesus. Look, look at how much he suffered. Yeah. He does a, you know, but you suffer in life and then you go to heaven. Life yep. is suffering and sin and you got to get forgiven for it. I mean, I guess we're now where that's a little more Catholic, but yeah. Um, well, but you, you know what I mean? Like that's no, the it, whole, it, it's this Calvinist it, it just, thing that they've because, taken away from, from Calvinism. You know, they, they brought this, like you're supposed because work to sucks. Yeah, man. it does. It fucking sucks. And like, none of this is to demonize Christians either. Like what I'm trying to do is shit on the idea of work a little bit here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is again from Devin Price's article, uh, 
Quote, a productivity-obsessed form of Christianity evolved from the older, more puritanical idea that work improved moral character, and it was pushed on enslaved people. This form of Christianity taught that suffering was morally righteous and that slaves would be rewarded in, rewarded in heaven for being docile, agreeable, and most important, diligent, end quote. And so... Yo! <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's tough to hear, man. Like, yeah. And anyway, we're going to move on just a little bit. It, and actually, before we move on, it it's kind of crazy because like the fact that slaves didn't want to work um, was seen as there being something wrong with them, and it was important to the enslaver to make sure that these slaves were exhausted and you know as busy as possible. And this was because if the slaves had you know any free time, they might start thinking about you know things, you know. They might start thinking about things like there's only twelve of them, and there's two hundred and fifty <laughs> of us. You know, the fuck are we doing? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Like exactly, and so you got to keep them tired and mostly separated, and and also like these slave owners had a lot to lose, and it, you know, the a lot that they had to lose was the amount of money that they were stealing from enslaved black people's labor. The profits were astounding, and also, sure. if they could keep these enslaved black people making shit for eighteen hours a day rather than twelve hours a day, they would make like three, you know, a third more profits, ostensibly making, you know. And, and also, this is still taking no, away from No, they're not making a third people. more, dude, because the productivity level has to drop. So That's true. Fucking, that's just people, dude. You work 18 hours, you think your fucking last hour is as good as your fifth? That's true. That's a good point. Um, which is actually, I should have brought that up in this, but that's actually been like scientifically looked at, too, where they were like, no, after eight hours, people drop off pretty fucking hard in productivity. Um. Also, you work in when people work twelve-hour shifts, they pace the fuck out of themselves, or yeah, or they don't last for sure. Um, also, Sam, um, runaway slave disorder was a mental illness given to. Can you guess who, Sam? Can you guess? <laughs> he just got got out and started marching out of the room. <laughs> He's. He's walking back in. He's coming back to the table. Sam. <laughs> Runaway slave Oh my disorder. fucking God, dude. Runaway slave disorder. <laughs> Are you fucking... Oh, man. Dude, yeah. And, and, you know, it behooved these slave owners to reinforce this, air quotes, mental illness. Uh, it, it enforced them... It rein... It was to their benefit to reinforce this mental illness twist to slaves who didn't really want to work because it, you know, it eased society's thoughts. You know, it turned their brains into like TV static. You know, they just didn't have any, they were pretty indifferent. If someone was lazy and had runaway slave disorder, there was something wrong with that person, not with the society at large. So society doesn't even have to think about it anymore. And that's cool. That's so crazy. That's so backwards. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> It, Fuck! It is really backwards. <laughs> it's really fucked up. <laughs> um, this is from Laziness Lie again. Quote, even more disturbing, enslaved people who try to want, run away from bondage were seen as mentally ill and suffering from runaway slave disorder. By not accepting their proper role in society, they were demonstrating that they were broken and disturbed. This worldview became the foundation for American capitalism, and the laziness lie had been born. End quote. So all of this was to create like the idea of laziness, like to to assimilate people into our society to make them docile and tranquil and calm. Like the the idea of leisure as lazy 
is is this thing that is born in this era and uh yeah it's pretty cool and it was a hit by the way people fucking loved laziness well i mean certain people loved it um it was a great way to tell people that not working people been loving laziness ever since we (laughs) fucking hunted the buffalo are you kidding me like get out of here no 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 no, laziness is the best shit ever people loved calling people laziness Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm still fine. I'm I'm pretty fine. I apologize to the listeners right now. I am super <laughs> fired up about that fucking shit. Uh I just like yep. people, man. Fucking people. And when you look mm. into it, it really like it starts to ring true for modern day labor and like the the our day to day work, you know? And that's that's for me why I wanted to kind of touch on this episode and these ideas because it you see a lot of these echoing from the past and people often say like history doesn't history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And that's kind of what I'm seeing when I, I look into some of this. Well, I know you said that just now, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. Now history is doomed to repeat itself. Yeah. Because nobody fucking studies it. And we want to like literally like remove uncomfortable parts of it from from itself like you know what i mean like that's people yeah there's people that want to do that that's we'd rather not deal with the uncomfortable stuff and fortunately enough there are people like me who for some reason thrive on the uncomfortable shit and uh telling that shit to my friends and making them uncomfortable with it and you know or fucking mad or mad whatever i'm not uncomfortable (laughs) i'm pissed off like well and that's the thing is that like i feel I feel like these conversations are important to be had, but nobody takes enough time to have them or to look into them, you know? And and so for me... And, and also, dude, everything's so charged nowadays. It's so charged. Like, here on the podcast, we, we can touch on stuff that... Because we can... Nobody's, nobody's going to start screaming at us immediately. Yeah. And the thing disseminates into a fucking fight. Yeah. Um... And there's no white folding chairs anywhere around, and everything's <laughs> fine. Um, By the and, way, and that, that mark- we can caveat what we're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean, because we we t- we do touch on sensitive topics like fucking slavery and racism and shit like that. It's it's I think it's a it's it's hard for a lot of people out in the real world to like have those conversations or even start those conversations because they're terrified of where they're going to fucking go because everybody's so live wire charged. And, today and also where do you start with those conversations you know you you could start with like um the phrase um you know white people stole a lot of things from black people and instantly people are like well we didn't steal things we brought them here and gave them a better life and so the conversation gets so like derailed that you can't have any kind of like there's there's no jumping off point because you're still still trying to settling the facts on which we all agree you know and it's i don't know it's it's difficult and um uh, well, I mean, if you if you kidnap somebody from from their where they live, and you take them somewhere else, and you force them to fucking work for free and make babies to work for free, yeah, and you treat them like shit, um, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. and there's no two ways around that. And if Absolutely. you're not supporting that, that's wrong. I don't know what to tell you. You're a piece of shit. If you're not supporting that that's that's wrong, I'm not friends with you. No, no. I I think that, well, yes, it is just an opinion, but it's an opinion that a bunch of people hold to be true. And I think that it's not wrong to to stand in that position, you know, to to say, like, if you disagree. Right. Well, you know, 
you yeah. know how I feel. You've Absolutely. seen you've seen it firsthand. Um anyway, let's let's move on. Um so again, it was a hit. People loved, you know, calling people uh calling things lazy. Uh they loved the idea of laziness. Um because it was a great way to tell people that not working in the coal mines or whatever was morally evil and that they should do it without complaints. And again, capitalists loved this, applying it to various industries and uh and you know the blind horses aren't complaining why are you (laughs) and eventually uh we also could we we could force this mentality onto the whites you know um industry (laughs) leaders wanted to wanted to divorce people of their free time all of it ideally uh but industry leaders had to settle with the eight hour workday uh because of you know um workers shooting at them um but not just at home at because bro say it say the word it starts with a u unions baby unions baby yep um but also they they didn't just want to get rid of free time at work they also wanted to get rid of it at home um or sorry <laughs> <laughs> which is true honestly because they wanted to do the 16 18 hour workday whatever um but i i said that in reverse um they j- didn't just want to like take your free time at home but they also also worked too too many breaks was also laziness and we're going to get into like what what breaks were um and throughout history here in just a little bit but um right after a break uh here in just a minute actually um so they also they also introduced a new and improved way of looking at it um you'd get in trouble if you weren't at work and working uh quote in fact too many breaks could make a person antisocial propaganda from that time often claimed that if the working poor weren't kept busy they would resort to crime and drug use and society would run amok laziness had officially become not only a personal failing but a societal ill to be defeated end quote and this was especially helpful and practical during the early 1900s um the up by your bootstraps was becoming a thing and was reinforced when the economic boom of uh of the 1950s hit uh between 1945 and 1960 the golden age of capitalism blossomed our gnp gross national product had more than doubled from 200 billion to 500 billion and this article from uh history.com helps us explain why quote much of the increase came from government spending the construction of interstate highways and schools the distribution of veterans benefits and most of all the increase in military spending on goods like airplanes and new technologies like computers all contributed to the decades new technologies like computers hold on pump the brakes and hold up hydrogen bombs hydrogen bombs yes that's true fuck dude up 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 and oppenheimer anyway um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh, i saw that movie it was really good hell yeah i've been kind of waiting to see would recommend would recommend yeah um you know new technologies like computers all this contributed to the decades economic growth rates of unemployment and inflation were low and wages were high middle class people had more money to spend than ever and because the variety and availability of consumer goods expanded along with the economy they also had more things to buy end quote and when we come back from our little break, Sam, we are going to discuss a little bit more about the economic boom. And uh, and we're also going to be discussing what work is. So do you have any thoughts before we go to break? Nope. Just that uh, I'm, uh, I don't feel like doing much work. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, so, uh, cool. I, I'd like to go on break. Is that okay, boss? Can I take my break now? Yeah, we're going to have a union five. We're going to have a union five. Okay, cool. All right. And I'm taking break. <laughs> <laughs> and we are back what up 
We were talking about the 40s, 50s, and uh, how there was an, an economic boom during that time from between a $200 billion to a $500 billion. And, you know, having an economic boom was fucking dope. People had enough money to send, you know, to, to spend on necessities. They could afford a house. They could, you know, buy a second car. What the fuck ever? Send their kids to school and shit. And I, you know, I kind of think of the typical white picket fence, like black and white television, TV shows. You know that we would we would see from that era. Um, Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, this is the era where things are going really good. Um, but profits aren't for everyone, especially people who literally make them, as this article from the Economic Policy Institute makes clear. Quote, Most Americans believe that a rising tide should lift all boats. As the economy expands, people should reap the rewards. This outcome can be guaranteed by smart and compassionate policy choices or subverted by poly... Pol sorry. Or subverted by policymakers choosing a different path. EPI's productivity pay tracker shows the shift between the latter. Uh, shift towards the latter. Since the late 1970s, our policy choices have led directly to a uh, pronounced divergence between productivity and typical workers' pay, end quote. So, in that article, you can find a chart which shows um, that between 1979 and 2021, productivity, uh, you know, in, in relation to how much cash and shit or, you know, how much profit and product uh, our collective workforce makes has risen by 64.6%. However, wages have only risen by 17.3%. Their article also notes, quote, productivity has grown three times as much as pay, end quote. And as their chart makes clear, before 1979, productivity and hourly pay rose nearly simultaneously. They were almost on the same one-to-one -one rise with each other. Then, in 79, yeah. they diverted dramatically. It's pretty interesting. Uh, enter credit. Actually, I didn't even think about that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, enter credit in the 70s. There's a whole thing about this, dude. This, this like, replacing wages with credit. Wow. So people could still afford things like <laughs> houses and cars, but then they were stuck owing them instead of just working and buying them. You yeah. know, that makes so and, much and sense. That's why it's a, that's why it's a, it's a, it's a bullshit when people are like, well, you just work hard enough, you'll buy a house. Like, no, you won't. You, you work hard enough, you'll owe somebody for a house for most of your life. Yeah, for sure. And so we've got to rejoin our, our wooded cabin metaphor for just a second, because like the reason to band together was to, you know, put each other to put in enough for each other to get something back out of it. You know, we could all contribute a little bit so all of us can, you know, kind of reap the rewards. Many hands make for light work. Exactly. Um, and everyone who worked for resources was guaranteed a fair share of those resources. Gathering things together was a good way to ensure everybody got something. Now, if sun, suddenly everybody you know continues being productive and work to provide for themselves and each other, uh, but one person starts hoarding more than they need, it would kind of be a little bit weird. Um, you know, in this you know metaphorical log cabin community we're starting, we're all providing enough that we can all have enough. So there's no need to have like an arms race with resources. You know, you don't need to hoard shit. Um, and that the tragedy of the commons man you see like i got no kids but like i see you know tom over there with his five kids and when we go to get like food he always takes a ton of food and yeah and, and i don't take nearly as much food but but like i take a little more than i need because like man he takes so much right yeah. like i should be able to take a little bit you know like for sure 
And like, this is how people work. And I mean, in theory, there's nothing wrong with that example you've put forward. It's just when you do it as a com- compulsive thing and you start hoarding shit, you know. Um, yeah, well, that's what everybody does. Yeah, and and also when you start hoarding shit, um, like the more that you have than everybody, you're going to be afraid that they're going to come and take your shit. So you'd want to ask two questions. Like the first one that most people uh, jump to is, what am I going to do to stop them? What? I w- my mind went somewhere else. Is it secret? Oh. Is it safe? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, more or less. Uh, like, what are you going to do to stop these people from taking your shit, you know? Um, but I think a better question to ask, you know, if, if I'm that hoarder person, a better question to ask would be is, why do they need my shit so badly? Um, and this is kind of a simplified Because they don't want to work. It's way <laughs> easier to show up one night of the year. My guy, you show up one night of the year with your boys and take everything somebody else has, and then you don't got to do shit for the rest of the year. True. But eat their food. It's yeah. uh... or eat them, but whatever. It's a different conversation. Um, Sam, eat the they, their food. Eat their their food. Eat, comma, they are food. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, what I'm saying is kind of a simplified version of how people end up discussing wages, labor and profits because of strikes and shit. Like if you got this guy who's got a bunch of resources and he's the guy who doles out resources and you're the people working to provide, you know, that that's where like labor issues and strikes come in. And so, uh, so it's a pretty good metaphor if I do say so myself. Anyway. Getting out of the getting like just leaving that fucking metaphor aside, what the fuck happened? Um, if productivity continued to increase but wages didn't, why did that happen? And where did all the fucking money go? Well, and- oh, okay, okay, okay. But so you talk about these like lines diverging and like a whole bunch more pro- productivity is being done by somebody, mm-hmm. and their wages are going down. Where's the money going? The money's going to the people who aren't doing anything. <clears throat> yeah. That's... Right. And, and, and people are being fed this like uh line of bullshit about how they need to like create this debt. They got to create debt to have good things in life. Yeah. And then once you got the debt, well, now you're married to the debt. Yeah. And now you're motivated. Now you got it. It's not like, it's not like, Oh, I saved up all summer working at a job so I can afford to own a car now to go to college. And, but now that I got the money instead, I don't need the car. Maybe I'll go to Europe instead. Right. Yeah. Like you, you, that's not what happens now. It's like, you got a car and you, Oh, mm-hmm. and, and there, there's no, you can't, no taxis, backsies, no, like, ah, you know what? Instead of working this hard for that, maybe I'll do the other thing. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a cool system. Um, anyway, yeah, I, you know, if you the listener would like to get into the details, you can look up the Productivity Pay Gap uh, Economic Policy Institute. Uh, just those keywords, and you can find the article that I'm talking about. But in there, the EPI discusses how this happened. Quote: In the figure above, pay is def- uh, is defined as the average compensation, wages, and benefits of production and non-supervisory workers. So they're taking people out of the equation who aren't hands-on making products and stuff um the pay for this group is uh 
sorry, the pay for this group is one appropriate benchmark for typical worker pay because production and non-supervisory workers make uh, have made up roughly 80% of the U.S. workforce over the entire period shown in the figure, which is, again, between 1950 and 2021. Um, and because the data for production and non-supervisory works excluded extremely high-paid ma managerial workers like CEOs and other corporate executives. Uh, so, so just, again, they're excluding that because they're trying to contrast... Um, as the figure shows, pay for these workers climbed together with productivity from uh, 1948 until the late 1970s, but that didn't happen by accident. It happened because specific policies were adopted with the intentional goal of spreading the benefits of growth broadly across income classes. When this intentional policy target was abandoned in the late 70s and afterwards, pay and productivity diverge. Relinking pay and productivity so that workers share in the fruits of their labor will require another pronounced shift in policy, end quote. So, because they had to, workers were able to, to, to meet that share of product. Wages were able to go up, you know, because of good policy making. And, like, basically it was like, if the business does well, you do well, kind of a thing. And uh, in the late 70s, we were like, nah, we'll do it another way. That sounds cool. So, that's good. It's cool. Who wrote those policies? Where did those policy changes come from? I don't know. I actually should have looked that up too, but you know, who was uh, somebody? Did I'll it. Just, let me just look and see who was in charge of everything then. Yeah, who was the boss of the America at the time? What are you seeing, Sam? Anything good? Um, end of the uh, seventies was uh, Carter. Yeah, seventy-seven to eighty-one. What? Yeah, I know that was Carter. Uh, I just—he's such a wholesome man. It's hard to think to think of the things that he's done well i'm sure actually his persona after he got out of office was like he did a bunch of fucked up uh, shit in well, office okay and so here we go back. all right go Jimmy ahead. carter why he failed i mean i bet the <laughs> i bet the like congress and the house was like stacked against him or something okay but uh you know that's the extent of my research it's done now i know after that it was ronald ray guns so oh, yeah. we know what happens there oh yeah all his fucking amazing economic policies that were so good for everybody trickle down that they baby. An economic collapse <laughs> um so uh, you're too young to remember i was alive when that shit happened bro yeah i've seen the aftermath of it and don't fucking appreciate reagan is he's probably Ronald ray guns ray guns um so we're turning into our cabin in the woods metaphor you know with our other cabin in the woods friends you know who are building a society we're all working to make sure the campfire is lit and one of us is making breakfast other people are getting ready to attend to the affairs we need to settle for the day and shit like and then all of a sudden one of these people says that they need more they keep taking more than their fair share and everybody begins to realize that like not all boats are rising in this tide. And it would be even crazier if this hypothetical person was beginning to hoard so much that other people became weaker, unable to provide as much. And then those weakened people aren't able to bring as much resources into the group as they used to, which means that other people, you know, are starting to get less. Um, and, but this is basically what happened, um, again, from EPI. Quote, after 1979, productivity grew at a significantly slower slower pace relative to previous decades. But because pay pay growth for typical workers decelerated even more markedly, a, a large wedge between productivity and pay emerged. The growing gap amid slowing productivity 
growth tell, uh, productivity growth tells us that the same set of policies that suppressed pay growth for the vast majority of workers over the last 40 years were also associated with slowdown in overall economic um, growth. In short, economic growth became both slower and more radically unequal. So they take away these pay protections and the economy slows down, you know, and it's literally saying that the rules that made workers wages tied to, to you know, productivity and the way they go stagnant, um, that divorce that happens made it so that no matter how hard a worker worked, they wouldn't be able to, to see a change in pay. And there was literally no incentive to work harder to see the company do better. And they also just like company doesn't do better because they don't work harder, but also people don't have extra money to buy shit. You know, so of course production is going to slow down. And then, you know, all through the eighties, whatever happened in the late seventies, um, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think you know opened up the door for um, them shipping all the jobs other places over yeah. the next ten years. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's huge. Absolutely. Because this is the other thing, like. When there's a surplus of jobs and a shortage of workers, you have to pay your employees really good. Yeah, it has to be Otherwise, they just will go get a better job where they get paid better. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? <laughs> but then when you ship all the other jobs to, like, somewhere else and the amount of jobs versus, you know, workers, now all of a sudden, you know, yeah. uh, you got the opposite and people – um can lowball you know potential employees because they know somebody's hungry enough and it's also somebody's got kids and they'll and they'll fucking work yeah and it's they'll also do this for that it's also an intentional thing too they like they've done the calculus and they know that by shipping jobs out of the country or out of a state or whatever that they can bottleneck this region and force people to work for this much you know and so it is definitely what you're talking about um and it's really shitty it's not super cool. Yet, we still have this set of societal standards against laziness imposed. If you don't put ev any drop of en sorry, if you don't put every drop of energy you have into work, you're not going you're not working hard enough. And per perhaps this is because the relationship between like work and home has changed. When you work harder, or rather, when you did work harder, um, you improved the company and your wages went up, and you could take those wages home to prov to provide for your family. And since we can afford everything we need at home, dinners, shower, family time, maybe some leisure, you know, this allowed for us to be like fully rested, ready for work, where we can go generate more productivity, increasing the amount of money that we have at home, so on and so forth. There's kind of a symbiosis that we can see that, that was and, there. And this allows you to be more prodigious with your ability to have offspring is where it all really goes. Yeah. Like I think for most people, you know what I mean? Like the more money you got, the more kids you can have, the more you make you know what i mean like yeah. your whatever imp impact on the world or your legacy or whatever people think it's about definitely having kids, the, whatever the reasons are for wanting to have more kids yeah it's definitely the legacy thing you know where like there's nothing wrong with being an honest hard-working person and you know that's something that i think unions have always instilled in people where it's like no like we deserve enough to survive and like we are I think people like to be productive. Yeah. I think people like to be productive. That's not the same as working. Absolutely. And we um, like to contribute too. Like, you know, during yeah, Hurricane come Katrina. And do good things. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's cool. Anyway, um 
you know, we kind of op op optimized the best of both of these worlds with like work and home. And, you know, this rest allowed us to head back to work without having to worry about living paycheck to paycheck and you know, all the anxiety that kind of ensues that. And since we were at 100% health, as they say in video games, we could give more to the company, so on and so forth, ad infinitum. Ad infinitum. I don't know how to pronounce that word, even though I wrote it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so instead, now we have our metaphorical wooden cabin forest hoarder keeping most of the resources acquired and produced by the group, forcing the rest of the group to, you know, I don't know, figure it out. Um, it's not a good look, and hoarding resources also makes... Dude, I mean, forever, you, the, that person just got... Everybody just showed up and was like, yo, dude, no. Yeah. Okay? Look, we're going to come in there, we're taking the shit back, okay? Absolutely. And and if you stop us, you'll, you'll get hurt. And if you, if you try too hard, we'll, we'll kick you out. Yeah. And you go be you go be yourself. And if that doesn't work, we'll kill you. You know, I wonder if the police are common. No, never mind. I'm not gonna. Anyway, so uh... that's a trigger word for me. <laughs> but seriously, like that that is what the police um, are there for in a lot of cases is to just protect of uh, protect people Rich from people? striking. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rich people from angry poor people. Yeah. <laughs> so, right what so, are most laws about like don't that, you know like i mean it's like taking shit but like yeah. the people who benefit the most from those laws are taking like the absolute most from everybody it's oh yeah unreal. yeah they're doing it through wages though i'm not a, i'm not legal. a communist i think people should be allowed to have more money than other people if they work absolutely harder, but there's like a limit yeah and, goddamn and, limit well and, and i think that there could be a healthy balance between um rich people owning 99 percent of everything and us poor folk owning everything and doing a communism i think that there's a healthy balance that can be struck that isn't uh it that isn't such a like a mandatory hard left thing you know i think a lot of people think of uh, of a lot of like providing for people is like you have to use the military in order to do it and it's like i no, mean like we if could just, they were we could just be more considerate smart if they were smart, they would spend a whole lot more of their money on hearts and minds kind of shit. Yeah. And and not just hoard it, but... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're talking... Like, Jeff Bezos has enough money to make himself king. Dude, like, it, I don't... And Machiavelli wrote about it in, I think, the 14th century where he's like... Maybe it was the 16th. I don't remember. Anyway, he was like, essentially, you can win more people over with honey than with vinegar kind of a thing. And it is exactly what you're talking about, where, like, hey, people just... Bread want... and puppets, dude. Yeah. Bread and circus. That's what it was. Bread, Bread and, and circus. circus. Anyway, so... Puppets is like a fish concert thing that happened here. <laughs> so anyway we've, we've got these these hoarder people in our in our little camp that are like i don't know figure your shit out and um you know hoarding also makes the hoarder protective over those resources effectively turning them against those in need so they wouldn't be friendly neighbors anymore they're polite enemies and all of this creates competitive compulsion like you are now it is now you know a, a compulsion to have to outcompete over the next person because otherwise they're going to take more than you otherwise they're going to take from what you have otherwise you know and it's no like we've kind of we've abandoned how dumb a fucking idea is that and we've abandoned the, the gregarian things that have made us a society you know like it i don't know it gets fucking weird man i'm just saying like you only have like your time yeah so everybody <laughs> Time is worth the same. 
And unfortunately, the same thing that happens to the hoarders happens to the group members. Since they now have to provide for the dead weight and themselves, they have to be protective over what little they have. And this metaphor, the tech bros say, you know, this whole thing scales up. And look, all labor is demanding, whether it be of your time, your mental energy, your physical exertion. Work sucks, and it fucking always has. Um, but this feels kind of like labor right now, I'll be honest. But, but honestly, did did work suck as bad as it does now? And the short answer is no. Actually, not really. <laughs> so I've heard people ask the most dismal question, what would people do if they didn't have to work? But they kind of phrase this question in a weird way, and they say, what is the incentive for innovation if you can't be paid for it? Uh, I heard somebody recently say, you know, that somebody said that about elon musk their perspective is that like of course elon is an intelligent innovator and that's why he's rich but he isn't and we've discussed that on the show previously you know he tanked twitter's value from 44 billion to somewhere in the teens of billions of dollars in a year and hasn't really invented anything he just has money you know it's bought shit yeah and so like he's got people to write shit for him to say yeah and so again what incentive people do people have to innovate and create if not for money sam what would people do if they didn't have to work for money anymore buddy bro i i constantly innovate stuff for free yeah constantly yeah for sure i'm always doing that i'm always like trying to like and it's but it's like it's like innovating my environment like my direct day-to-day environment like making my life easier Mm -hmm. that's you know what i mean to have the things that i want to have uh, and so I innovate to create those things. Like it, it's not money doesn't drive me. And you're not lazy because you're not creating value. You know, that's, I think the thing that I'm really trying to highlight. Here I'm is... lazy because I hate showing up and listening to somebody tell me what the fuck to do. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm lazy. That's if you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, amen to that brother. You know, and, and the weird thing is that like, they're like, what, what you know? What would you do if you wouldn't do anything if you didn't have to work for money anymore? And it's like, man, what about art? Like maybe would, people put, would want to play with their pets or their kids or read a book or you know. And actually, right now as I was writing this, I had no monetary incentive to do so. I just enjoy putting my thoughts down and having discussions with friends. What are you talking about, bro? Stop, stop playing. Stop. This guy bought a Ferrari last week with all the money he's made off of black sheep and bad apples. Yo. Meanwhile, you want to talk about labor division? I'm here. I named the fucking show. I ain't seen one red cent from this dude. Fucking asshole! You ain't even giving me a ride in your Ferrari. Well, it's the gas is expensive. Um. So. <laughs> Welcome to California. Yeah, but also, like, I, I put a ton of hours into this. Like, the episode that we're going to record tomorrow, our four-part series, um, I've put easily <laughs> 80 hours into it. And so, like, I don't know. It, I just get this weird... Look at any culture where people don't need hella money to just enjoy life and yeah, live. It's, it's super weird. They do weird. tons of stuff. It's super weird. They don't just sit around and watch TV. That's America. Yeah, for sure. Which is, like, I don't know. The, it, it And it's such a blind spot that a lot of these people have where they're like, if you're not working then what are you doing and it's like i don't fucking know whatever the Living fuck i want to you know like yeah. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and so oh, no. but but also like ideally art should inspire but our artistry also comes in many forms like for instance blacksmithing i know that you've done blacksmithing a little bit as is just like a hobby and like you're not creating a new plow but listeners i will keep you posted if sam does create a new plow um 
but you want to see a fucking hand forged plow blade dude i'll go get one right now <laughs> i think think i'm playing 200 year old plow blades oh, all fucking, day up in this that's bitch. sweet but that's also what i'm saying is like art can be functional as well as pretty you know like w- the this innovation like people desire to create shit to make things more easy and this innovation creates itself or more pleasing or, or pleasing yeah but it's also created or easy of, and pleasing yeah people just don't want to fucking work all the fucking time and if we could find an, a pleasing <laughs> and if we could find an easier way to uh to do things so that we have more leisure time it seems like that's kind of human <laughs> nature you know and all this cool shit that we make doesn't necessarily have to make us money although you know in this economy <laughs> Um, it has to make you money when you got to pay taxes. It has to make you money when, like, you don't have the space to farm food for yourself and your family, so you have to buy food. Like, yeah, yeah, money is a convenience only. Absolutely, it's not real. Otherwise, some fake shit. That's why, to me, it feels like society. It feels like billions of dollars are being just like funneled upward into like gold plated dinners and expensive jewelry, designer clothes, and other super rich people shit like mega or super yachts. There's also giga yachts now. I don't know if you knew about that. Um, shit, hold on, hold the fuck on, googling it. But yachts also, Sam. By the way, um, they are described by Wikipedia as quote a large and luxurious pleasure vessel. So these rich, lazy motherfuckers are telling us that we're lazy. When they own boats specifically I'm saying, in which to be lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, dude. What kind of ga- of, of course, of course, rich people are gaslighting everyone. Everyone, dude. It's insane. The the giga yacht, Sam, because uh, listeners can't see, but Sam is staring really intently at a computer screen. The uh, the giga yachts are apparently over three hundred feet, um, but that's just because uh, civil engineers have all decided on that. They are bigger than super yachts, from what I understand, which is cool. I'm glad that people can struggle to get chemo money for chemo. 352 foot giga yacht. Jesus, <laughs> motherfucking, what the? 200 meter. Yeah. Giga It's fucking gigantic. What? 200 meters? It's six, 600, 600 feet. feet you can park another yacht inside of it. It's insane. 600 feet. Is that a fucking aircraft carrier? Can we? Basically. Uh, no, but still, Jesus, what the fuck? Yeah. And so, obviously, none of this, what we're talking That's about. That's where all the dead babies' labor goes, right there. Yep. These yep. boats. Yep, that's where, you know, Amazon uh, factory workers and just everybody, that's where all their money goes into, is these mega pleasure yachts that we'll never get to be inside of. Anyway. Oh, oh. Someday, dude. (laughs) Look at me. I'm the captain now. (laughs) So, uh, you know, obviously none of this is none of this is new to most people. But with this large growing bubble of humans pulling money out of the hands of the others, it brings us back around to one of our many questions of this episode. What what incentive do people have to work? If the American dream is to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, where are we pulling them up to? With wages stagnating, yet corporation, uh, sorry, corporate profits breaking records yearly, people are already barely able to fill their cup, much less have enough to give others. It's difficult to imagine what incentives people have to go to work other than literally not dying. So again, what incentive is there for work 
uh, sorry, what incentives are there for innovation without like money? To me, that just seems like a really weird question because we should be flipping that on the other end of it. Um, you know, what incentive is there for us to go to work? Um, and it's more helpful to ask that question of incentive in reverse. That is, you know, what do people have to incentivize them to work? Well, Sam, this is where I'm happy to tell you that fucking Forbes magazine is going to tell you all about how to incentivize oh, your Forbes. workers. <laughs> this article... Forbes, sucks, Forbes sucks the genitals of sociopaths. <laughs> You're going to see that in this, in this article, Sam. Um, this article is written for the supervisor, the tech bro, the startup guys, you know, like us, Sam. Um, and Forbes asks the simple question, how do we get people to fucking work in <laughs> innovate? <Bro. laughs> Sam just flexed through the audience, which is me. Um, in this article, Lisa Bodell shows us the, quote, three non-basic ways for incentivizing employees to innovate, end quote. <laughs> so she is literally saying, you know, you don't want to be basic. Here's three non-basic ways of incentivizing employees. And it is just a lovely article, Sam. Did you find something on, on Giga Yachts that you're... Bro, here's one that was fucking abandoned before they ever even got to use it. That... That's the kind of shit that's happening. You're wondering why the world's so fucked up. Yep. $270 million spent on a boat and nobody's ever going to use it. It's just going to... Like, literally, we can go pirate this shit. If we, I, we probably need fuel and people who know how to run it. Dude, I... All right, we'll talk about that afterwards. Um, so again, Lisa Bodell shows us the three non-basic ways uh, for incentivizing employees to innovate. And she starts the article by saying, uh, basically, people used to get paid more money if the company did better. But she sort of goes out of her way to not say that, Sam. Um, quote, in previous eras, employees rewarded program, uh, employee reward programs went by a different name, annual bonuses. While money still motivates, today's programs are more creative and reflective of an organization's unique culture. Companies Pizza like, party. Companies like Samsung, Weston, and Intuit use a, use diverse approaches to incentivize innovation for their employees. From financial or experiential rewards to public recognition, your own incentive program should reflect your org's culture and serve your business goals while offering employees an array of aspirational carrots. End quote. Did you say <laughs> aspirational carrots? I absolutely did, Sam. I'm going to need an address. <laughs> this kind of evil can't be left it's, in the world. It's so, Who published this? It's Who so published good. this? This is Forbes. The publication company. This is Forbes. Forbes? This yeah. Is, this is a, I'm not surprised. a woman named Lisa Bodell. Basically canceled them. <laughs> it's so good. And honestly, they do that, that tech bro thing where they're like, let's reinvent the fucking wheel thing. And they do it just so much here the art like that's the whole article really please don't say tech bro anymore uh i probably will say it at least one more time anyway the article one more time that's that's it though all right the article itself describes how there's a framework known as incentivize employees to innovate which is just such a creative fucking title just so stupid anyway they 
basically if you're gonna if you're gonna use this framework you you gather a bunch of like a variety of employees uh and they say quote sample invitees may be the sales team mid-level staff frontline employees and senior management end quote uh so you take this kind of sample of people um and then least says that we have to incentivize the behaviors to brainstorm creatively like drawing products not yet fully fleshed out so you put them in a room and then you tell them, hey, do a creativity and then motivate them to innovate. After that, you put them through three stages. Sam, and these are probably going to blow your fucking mind with how genius this is. You got to hold on. Did you say do a creativity? I did say that. OK, just a second. Yeah, they basically tell them they put all these people in a room. They're like, hey, do do a creativity. And the way they do that is by putting them through three stages, the input stage the uh, development stage, and then the output stage, which is exactly like what it sounds. It's just a fucking writer's room. You have them sketch out an idea. Once everybody likes it, you give it details, characteristics, and then you send it out for production. So that's that's Lisa Bodell's genius way of motivating employees and to, incent to incentivize employees to be innovative. And, and just <laughs> hold on. Just refresh me. Who is this woman again? Like, I should have looked that up a little bit more. Um, from what I, I mean, she's a contributor to Forbes, I can say. Uh, sorry, contributor to Forbes, I can say. Um, I assume that she's uh, some sort of tech guru slash technology journalist or something like that. And she has to be, honestly, because she's writing this article about like how to incentivize your employees to be creative. So I don't know what she does. So this is like an op-ed. Like, they're like, this is like an opinion piece by a employee of Forbes. Yeah, it it. it like, okay, I'm just okay. I'm on you know, board now. You know All how right. you watch All the right. you know how you watch the local news, and at the end of the local news, there's like a little like two minute um clip at the very end where it's like this puppy was wearing boots today at the park, and look at how I'm splashing the water. It's basically one of those kind of articles where it's just kind of a fluff piece. It's there for filler, and you know, I don't know. It's what what I will say. How is, to incentivize your employees? Yeah, it's not good writing. I will say. <laughs> What kind of carrots were they? Say it one more time so I can cringe in my soul. Aspirational carrots. God damn it. <laughs> oh, fucking. Oh. Yeah. And so, you know, in, in order to incentivize this, this sample baseball. of employees, you, you know, you've got to do this inventive thing called uh, reward tactics, uh, which is just reinventing rewards uh, in order to motivate your employees. And there are three ways to use reward tactics against your employees in order to trick them into creating more value. <laughs> you mean on? No, no. Against. <laughs> against. Yes. Cause well, and that's the perspective that she's taking while writing this. She's like, we could trick him into inventing stuff. And it's like, what do you know? You don't have to do that. People naturally do that. It's like, well, they won't do it if we don't give them enough money. And it's like, well, give them money. Like, they'll do it for money. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, this is from Forbes. Quote, the first tactic is experiential, which is epitomized by Westin Hotels. The hotelier has been known to award an exotic five-day trip to the employee with the quarter's best idea. While this award is on brand for Westland, consider awarding extra vacation days or restaurant gift cards uh, if vacation packages aren't finan financially possible for your business, end quote. That's really nice sentiment, but, you know, <laughs> it's just so weird how the fucking general manager's son always wins every year. I just... It feels well, like the best nepotism, idea. but it, he's such a lazy person. 
But he's got the best idea. He thought to fire a third of the housemaids. So think about that. And had the rest of them do overtime. Yeah. But not pay them uh, overtime. Unpaid overtime. <laughs> and they're not allowed to unionize. Nope. And so he's going to be on the fucking cover of Forbes magazine in 10 years. So this first reward, uh, rather than any other benefits, is, you know, give them vacation, reward them with leisure, which is kind of what we've been covering in this whole episode. Leisure time. Give them a free dinner at a steakhouse or whatever. And this (laughs) this fucking Forbes article is so insightful. It's it's fucking astounding, man. So the second incentive, Sam, if you're ready to hear this. Uh, and again, I'm not, but I know you're going to tell this me. This is truly innovative, Sam. Trick them into working harder by giving them more money. And to be clear, I don't mean give them better wages to incentivize them. Forbes and Lisa mean give them a, a give, just give them a one time like add a boy and pat him on the back. <laughs> Quote, another incentive approach is financial. This can translate to on the spot. Oh, man. The, bone, the, the fucking big bone trick. Yeah, there you go. Chew on that for a bit. This, can this trans- is just a gift. We're not going to make another one, but there it is. Yep. So uh, this can translate to on-the-spot on the bonuses for great ideas or other creative compensation. Samsung, for example, has financially rewarded employees who submit pat- patent applications on its behalf, as well as team members who apply new technologies to its products. Volkswagen play- pays employees between 10% and 50% of the value of an idea, depending on how big or small it is, end quote. That's the best way to do it right there. Absolutely. Why pay people just a little bit more to keep innovating um, when just... You have a bunch of people because they're doing a Shark Tank, right? They're doing a Shark Tank. They're, you know, they're like, "Come bring us well, your idea, no, and okay. we'll yeah, put money saying, into R and D for whatever." You know, you come up with an idea. Fucking getting the patents, no, no small thing, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, for a company to be like, "You got an idea, we're gonna fucking patent it. We'll give you a percent of the value <laughs> of that." Is a actual that's. That's not that's not a bad deal. It it isn't, and especially if you get well. And I think the bad deal would come if you didn't get any um, royalties or whatever that is from it. You know, re- residuals. I think is what it's called. Like sure. if, residuals. I, I think, yeah, that would be a bad deal. I think. Um, but anyway, it which is, that shit happens all the time too, where where people like leave a company, go out on their own, start making something, and then the company's like, "When did you first make that?" Yeah. idea they're like oh well, like i don't know like 10 years ago and like so when you worked for us yep yeah we're that's ours now it's you know what i mean like it's just such a good system sam i guess is what i'm saying there's no flaws in it and in fact um since there are no flaws in it here's another way that sam you can motivate your employees um and this is all according to that surprisingly short article. i use i use fucking hyenas dude oh really yeah okay you just yeah. you just release them or you walk around with them on a leash to make sure the people are working hard? No, they're in a pit. The hyenas oh. are in a pit. Okay. There's no railing and uh, you know, you either get shit done or you get sparta, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Sir, I dropped my nail or I dropped my hammer in there. What do I do? Well, you shouldn't have dropped your hammer in there. Go get it. Well, could we I believe I can fly. <laughs> So, Sam, the final way that you can motivate your employees, again, according to this surprisingly short uh, Forbes article, is by giving them what all artists and creatives desire to be paid in, 
recognition. Give them award, an, give them an award or a sash or maybe a pizza party. Make a public display of employer. Oppenheimer them. Make a public display of employer employee recognition by giving them an award After and a sash at the pizza party. You know, this also shows that the other employees could be publicly validated too. Um, or you could be awarded with public humiliation. This is again from Forbes. Quote: The last incentive category. Wait, is wait, wait. Awarded with public humiliation. The last incentive category is recognition. That's punishment. That's you punish. That that's a. This approach has been embraced by a household household names like Intuit. Every year, the software giant hosts a company-wide ceremony at which the failure award is bestowed upon the team whose unsuccessful idea resulted in valuable learning. <laughs> also in the recognition train is Hewlett Packard, who hands out the Golden Banana Award to its most innovative employees. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a failure award for being innovative, Sam. <laughs> you can't see my face. He is scowling so hard. He's so mad. <laughs> anyway, I am uh I am disappointed to find this out. <laughs> anyway, and I'm just over here. I'm like cruising pictures of fucking giga yachts still, dude. Just like It's called self-soothing. Sick. <laughs> so since today's day and age has been like we've just have so much better working conditions, Sam. Uh you know, and that's thanks to some government agencies. Uh let's take a look at what work was like 700 years ago. But we're going to do that after a short break, Sam. What? Yep. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to look at how uh, working back in the old day, the ancient age, um, how it compares to working today. So we'll see you on the other side, listeners. And we're back. This next section is entitled, This next section is entitled, We Work Longer and Harder. <laughs> get it uh terrible title aside it does seem that workers are trying to earn enough money to live uh so if companies make them work for less money the company makes more money by causing the employee to be in a place where they need to work more hours but like they have to work more hours to make up for having less money <clears throat> and these extra hours they are putting in that are put in by the employee mean uh, more profits for the executives in other words employees get to be fucked with the longer and harder end of the stick see sam <laughs> i tied it all in i tied the title in um thank you you're welcome it was um shoehorned in but i again wrote this today um <clears throat> in 1978 or sorry 1970 let me try that again in 1987 rather the year that juliet shore Professor of Sociology cites in her book, The Overworked American, The Unexpected Decline of Leisure, the average American worked about 1,949 hours in a year, which is about 37 and a half hours a week. And this is starkly contrasted with how much farmer working peasant men from the 1300s worked in a year, which was approximately 1,620 hours, or about 31 hours a week. Of course, it'd be silly if we didn't acknowledge that these are averages and estimates and, you know, things vary from year to year, country to country, century to century. So there's there is a little bit of leeway we can hear, have here. Um, for the most part, we literally work now more than peasant farmers because <laughs> they they worked with the sun. They had 16 hours in the summer and eight in the winter, which sounds like a lot, like 16 hours a day in the summer is shitty, especially because, you know, 
these people were probably working outside. Um, but again, this seems like a lot, but in this medium quote, uh, sorry, this article for medium quoting the overworked American is going to tell us how like, maybe it, maybe it wasn't so bad quote before capitalism. Most people did not work very long hours at all. Wrote Shore in her book, considering a typical working day in the medieval period, it stretched from dawn to dusk, 16 hours in summer and eight in winter. But as Bishop Plinkington has noted, work was intermediate called to halt at uh, called to a halt for breakfast, lunch, and the customary afternoon nap and dinner. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Siestas are very helpful for productivity in the evening. They truly are. Um, continuing to quote, depending upon the time and place, there were also mid-morning and mid-afternoon refreshment breaks. These rest periods were the traditional rights of laborers, which they enjoyed even during peak harvest times, end quote. So these people, they did do a lot of work, but they were also equally given uh, an ability to relax, even during the workday. Um, and I find that really fascinating because we don't, we don't really get that a whole lot in today's day and age where like the work standard is work, you know, at, for every eight hours, you get two tens and a, and a half an hour lunch or whatever. You know, this seems like they were, they did work 16 hours, but there was frequent like half an hour or more breaks. So I think that's pretty interesting. Because, and, and I think it's interesting, too, because we in today's day and age would kind of see that as like a form of laziness. Like these people could raise their efficiency by, you know, by eliminating most of these food breaks and, you know, giving these people 10 minutes of break every two hours or whatever. Um, so not only do these these they get these sweet hobbit like breaks, peasants also, quote, enjoyed anywhere from eight weeks to half of the year off, end quote. <laughs> So, so they get more. Let's start to do in winter time, man. For sure, yeah, and and it's crazy. Uh, it was custom that you know that one would take a week off or so to grieve a familial loss or to greet a new family member into the world. Uh, it was also expected that people would take time off. Quote: When wandering jugglers or sporting events came to town. End quote. <laughs> yeah, sure. It makes so much sense too. You know, it's like oh, there's something exciting. To Circus do. is in town. Yeah. Fuck it. Go have fun, you know? And these people were getting enough that, you know, getting enough money that they could actually go and enjoy these things without feeling obligated to work. Because, again, a lot of it was, like, they were, they did, like, financial exchanges, but this is the 1300s. So a lot of it is also, like, well, I don't need to buy groceries. You know, I'll exchange some potatoes for fucking, I don't know, mushrooms or what the fuck ever, you know? like. I mean, in the 1300s, I think most people lived a in a Fife system yeah, right whatever that is times. um so their whole job was to like grow food and then like the their liege lord would come and collect a tariff of their food and they lived on his land yeah which that's is, how that worked which is still fucked so up. like it's still paying taxes but it is i don't know it's different i guess well yeah, I mean, he can also show up and, like, conscript you into a fighting force and spend your life for an ego trip. Uh, you know, there's that. You could also become a squire and a knight, though. So, I mean, maybe there's a little uh, bit more upward. No. Maybe there's no. a little bit more upward mobility in society than we have now. I, I doubt that <laughs> many peasants ever became squires or knights. That's an elite class. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And so, so how did they do this, Sam? Uh, high wages, vacation time, sick leave—like, what? What was their fucking secret? Well, according to this Medium article, quote, Shore found that 
during periods of periodically, uh, per sorry, particularly high wages, such as 14th century England, peasants might put in no more than 150 days a year. All told, holiday leisure time in medieval England took up probably about one third of the year, she wrote in her book, end quote. So it, that checks out. That's pretty fucking sweet, too, because as you were saying, like you, it's also during the winter. What are you going to do? You have to you bust ass, which is kind of the metaphor that I was making with this log cabin thing. You bust ass all year so that you can put enough supplies in the fucking bank so that you can relax, so that you can have this leisure time and chill. And we don't have that in today's day and age. We've got this hustle culture that commands us to do this. And it I mean, uh, if you want that, you have to make it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And it I don't know. It's a really interesting thing anyway. Um so this is continuing the quote from Medium. Uh, so again, all told, holiday leisure time in medie medieval England took up probably about one third of the year, she wrote in her book. And the English were apparently working harder than their neighbors. The ancient regime in France is reported to have guaranteed 52 Sundays and 90 rest days as well as 38 holidays throughout the year. In Spain, travelers noted that holidays totaled five months per year. <laughs> That checks out. That's fucking Spanish sweet, people know, dude. know how to fucking chill, man. This is uh, finishing that quote. The modern American, after a year on the job, gets an average of eight vacation days annually. End quote. So, that. What the <laughs> fuck? Y'all are slaves. This is today, dude. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. For what? I know. To it's. Give a to give a third of that away? Yeah, to buy a giga Why does yacht. Why stay here? Why do I stay here? I don't know, man. It. I was digging into this earlier today, and I was getting a little pissed off. I was like, this fucking sucked, dude. Medieval peasants who, like, had to... They had to deal with fucking the Black Plague have it better than we do. And it's not... Like, it's... A, uh, let's be real, man. They did not have it better than we do. They but absolutely they did, Sam. Less. And I am not backing away. No, Bro, they didn't no, have you're no right. jet you're right. You're right. Did they have jet skis? No, I, I know. Did I'm, they have jet skis? No, Sam. They didn't have jet skis. Exactly. They didn't have jet skis. They did not have fucking. They didn't have it better. Okay. Jet skis yeah. are the pinnacle of civilization. Okay, shit. Leave me alone, dude. You ever seen somebody unhappy on a jet ski, dude? <laughs> no, that's a good point. People have died on jet skis a lot, but we're kind of... Getting... They were fucking grinning right up until they... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, the implicit promise that we've all been given is that if we work hard, we'll be able to dig ourselves out of poverty. Um, the harder we work now, the less we'll have to do later. And again, using this cabin metaphor for a second, you know, if everyone in our hypothetical little scenario of members of the hit TV shows alone and naked and afraid, if they are able to store enough dried meat throughout the year, we can, you know, again, relax during the winter when things, when the getting isn't so good. When there's nothing to do but survive the cold. Exactly. <laughs> The utopia of which we were told uh, are foolish to dream was actually predicted by a pretty heavy hitter, too, historically speaking. Um, before the stock... Rasputin. Before... <laughs> yeah, Rasput Rasputin, the uh, notoriously reliable source. <laughs> yeah, he's a guru. Yeah. Uh, no, but before the stock market crash in 1929, John Maynard's Keynes... Uh, Maynard Keynes, who is described as, quote, one of the founders of modern economics, end quote, had a different way of seeing econo economies than we do now. From a 2021 article on uh, premium.com, John Maynard Keynes, quote, 
made a famous prediction that by 2030, advanced societies would be wealthy enough that leisure time, rather than work, would be ca would characterize national lifestyles. So far, that forecast is not looking good. End quote. And so he well, he wouldn't be wrong if if the the fucking stuff that occurred in the 70s didn't occur, and those two lines that just stayed kind of parallel with each other and climbed together. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, but that's not what happened. No, and it's funny because all this actually ties into tomorrow's episode, which I'm not going to be telling you what what it's about. But it, it's really interesting how I don't. I don't want to know. It, it is really interesting how there's this. Um, we must squeeze the worth out of everything that we have. Us rich people must squeeze the worth out of everything, um, because uh, what else are these people going to do? What else are these poor people going to... We have to give them jobs, which is kind of their their whole point. Like, these people are lazy. They'll do things like go surfing and maybe do drugs at a rave and, you know, ha hang out with their kids. Dance and, and fuck and make babies. Yeah, and and so, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Anyway, um, John Maynard Keyes envisioned a lifestyle characterized by a 15-hour work week, written his Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. And I'm going to quote from that here. I feel sure that with a little more experience, we shall use the newfound bounty of nature quite differently from the way in which we, uh, which the rich use it today, and will map out for ourselves a plan of life quite otherwise than theirs. For many ages to come, the old Adam, which he uses to refer to like us sinful people, the old Adam will be so strong in us that everyone will need to do some work if he is to be contented. We shall do more things for ourselves than is usual uh, with the rich today, only too glad to have small duties and tasks and routines. But beyond this, we shall endeavor to spread the bread thin on the butter to make what work there is to be done as widely shared as possible. Three-hour shifts or a 15-hour week may put off the problem for a great while. For three, hour, for three hours a day is quite enough to satisfy the old Adam in most of us, exclamation point. Now, I think that that's really funny because he's still using that whole, like, work will make you a better man kind of position. <laughs> you know, the, the old Adam in you will be contented if you just... Yes, uh, well, you know, devil's hands make for idle dinglings, dingling, or whatever the dingling. thing is. Yeah. And, idle hands make for the devil's work. Uh, something like that. We'll go with that. And, you know, perhaps, you know, I think a 15-hour work week is currently unobtainable without drastic measures. Um, I think that, though, like, what he's talking about, there's, like, a little hidden gem. Maybe 100 bucks an hour it is. I mean, yeah. Um, but we would have to kind of reshift our entire um, monetary organizational structure. For instance, we'd have to unregin the system in order to really, like, find any way to do some of these good things for people and like unregging the system is just it's not it's not feasible at this time and nobody's gonna you goddamn centrist <laughs> <laughs> fucking liberals it's um, not even liberal dude that's just a, that's just it's not it's not even like a that's not even like a political viewpoint that's just smart yeah <laughs> exactly like what i'm saying is the system won't do anything even though they fucking should <laughs> you know um and it's like again it's gonna take drastic measures to get there but i think what he's talking about like he's got a little hidden gem in there because like obviously we should push for a zero hour work week if we utilize technology correctly but he's he's talking about something that sounds like absolutely more wonderful and what i think i, I think it's important to look at here 
is that he's pointing in the same direction, but he's targeting something different. He's saying that the aim of the society should be prosperity, and we all need to work towards that for all of us, you know. But what he's pointing at is important to me because he's simply describing finding a way to lessen work, to allow all of us to have more free time, which is why, like, I think 15 hours a work week uh, for a work week might be kind of an arbitrary number, but I think that what he's pointing to, like that direction is entirely correct of what we should be going towards. You know, we should have less work throughout a week just because, yeah, we want our children to enjoy leisure time. We want to enjoy leisure time, you know, like it, I don't know. It. Yeah, man, if people only had to work 20 hours a week, there would be no problem for like two people to raise two or three kids easily without yeah uh, you know what i mean like absolutely because you know if we could have just a two-person family um be able to afford a home like that's kind of what i'm more pointing at than anything else you know he wants specifically 15-hour work weeks i'm like man whatever will be able to make myself and my grandchildren be able to afford homes you know like that's i want them to have prosperity and not to have to deal with um, being called lazy because they want Saturdays and Sundays off, you know, because that's really what we're kind of working with here. And I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think the point is to, again, reach the 15 hour work week, I, you know, higher wages, like lower, like lower pay won't make us lazy. It will give us leisure, like, sorry, higher wages and like lower hours a week won't make us lazy when we can pursue and like pleasure and enjoyment. Like it's, it's especially important because people are working way more. For well, it'll make less, us you know? it'll make us lazy in the sense that like uh, we won't want to go to work and and make money for the company that we're employed at. Yeah. When we could be fishing or camping or fucking, you know what I mean? Like, well, and I think the word lazy here is also used in the same way that people, you know, often label women as bitchy. You know, where like. A woman who's dealt with a lot of shit will have standards and so when they're not going to put up with your shit all of a sudden they're a bitch because they're not going to deal with your you know and that's kind of what we're battling with is like we are we we're not being we're not being picky we're not being uh we're not asking for too much by saying like hey no we want some vacation times we want maternity uh maternity leave we want higher wages we aren't being bitchy or you know anything like that we are just asking for a legitimate understanding here of of reality and yeah anyway um again it's this is all so that we can pursue you know in some countries they let dads off when when they have a kid too yeah that's fucking sweet like everybody's like everybody gets sick month yeah i was listening to a podcast recently where um one of the one of the guests on the podcast was a, a recent dad and he was like, yeah, this is my first thing coming back since paternity leave. And they were like, what, what are you talking about? And I, I might get some of this information wrong, but there was like a union that was putting, putting up paternity, paternity leave to like help people, you know, be with their baby. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> Yo, the idea that like a brand new mom is supposed to what, be able to just like do everything by herself yeah while you're not there to help that's crazy that's not how that works that's not how biology made that shit work no absolutely you were supposed to come home like all the fucking time and check on them you know but i don't know whatever 
all this is kind of especially important because people are like working way more nowadays for quite a bit less than they have been with productivity rising wages stagnating housing markets being fucked up our feud distributions are fucking crazy there's just so much that is archaic in our society that we forget why we formed these societies to begin with you know metaphorically like why so they could collapse (laughs) but like why did we build these cabins so close together so that we could share in each other's prosperity you know and it was the way that most cultures have operated but the post-industrial era has created um just a gigantic money harvester you know like this money harvester is designed to extract the most it can from those it exploits sorry sorry employees and i don't know it it's just really dumb um and again this is from a, a medium article from this is from 2021 but it shows i think the stark difference between how medieval peasants were treated um with how modern day workers are being treated and mind you this is like follow the the following events were kind of exacerbated by the covid 19 epidemic because it's it's 2021 so quote in recent articles the work culture at an online startup oxy media has uh, drawn widespread disapproval one 24 year old producer ended up in the hospital after two weeks of working 18 hour days that she felt pressured to perform she told cnn that she feared letting her boss down the producer eventually left her job for a six-week outpatient program created for extremely depressed people to get better end quote so that's that's obviously why am i not surprised that's yeah <laughs> man i see i would see this so much with some people in hay fork you'd be like wait you you want me to work how many hours a day yep like they're like man like 16 to to 20 is what everybody's doing yeah and, and you're he, like and here's, that's not a thing and here's your aspirational carrot <laughs> i'm like bro you ain't that's not mm-mm yeah see because uh after hour eight you're gonna double my rate of pay and then after hour 12 you're gonna triple my rate of pay yeah and and then after that if i'm still working at hour 20 man you probably owe me a car yeah well, every and, day. And, and that's not <laughs> but that's also not like how um cannabis growers usually work they were like it's 20 hours a 20 hour uh, 20 dollars an hour and however many hours it takes and then you're also going to get a cut at the end of the year and it's the same shit that we were talking about with that forbes article where it's like how to incentivize innovation you know like right we'll except give... then then the cut gets fucking is no good but we we don't got to get into that yeah for sure anyway um so yeah obviously like this woman has checked into this hospital and and it that's that's bad uh, because the United States doesn't have any healthcare worth mentioning, except you know, of course, that which is offered by your employer um, or that which you can afford. So I mean, that's fucking cool too. <laughs> Ultimately, there's a lot that we could say about like labor, but it's important for us to focus on work, which is why I wanted to do this episode. Again, we work for leisure that we that we may do as we please. Um, this is also why movements like the French protests are important to look at. French began rioting and burning shit the fuck down in uh, in May of 2023 um, because their president, Emmanuel Macron, uh, raised the retirement in age from 62 to 64. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. My dad was like, this is, I just don't understand. Like, my dad, by the way, is 76 years old yeah. and still 
has just dialed it back to 40 hours a week. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, oh and he's a workaholic. He's a workaholic. And, and, and like, um, you know, he's got a lot to show for his work. It's not like, yeah, you know, he's, he's very, you know, he, he, he could stop working today and never work and, another day in his and life. And be proud of it. I'm, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He'd think he was being lazy. <laughs> well, he'd and, think he was being lazy. Man, that ties so perfectly into what we're talking about too, because it it is yeah. it's so deeply embedded in us, you know. <sighs> anyway, um, so again, like the French burning down part of uh France, it kind of seems like small beans if we think about how it affects other people, but it's important because you know we work for leisure. There are people that this affects, you know. And I think we should honestly have this this feeling of, like, we should basically say, fuck this whole work to live, live to work thing. Like, we've got to stop and smell these goddamn flowers. And so, before we go, I'd like to cite Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren by John Maynard Keynes again. And see what he has to say about what a future without the importance of work and money looks like. Here he is. Quote, there are changes in other spheres, too, which we must come to expect to come. When the accumulation of wealth is no longer of high social importance, there will be great changes in the code of morals. We shall be able to rid ourselves of many of the pseudo-moral principles which have hag-ridden us for 200 years, by which we have exalted some of the most distasteful human qualities into positions of the highest virtues. We shall be able to afford to dare to assess the money motive at its true value, the love of money as a possession, as distinguished from the love of money as it means to, uh, as a means to the enjoyments and realities of life, will be recognized for what it is—a somewhat disgusting morbidity, one of those semi-criminal, semi-semi-pathological propensities which one hands over with a shudder to the specialists in mental disease. All kinds of social customs and economic practices affecting the distribution of wealth and of economic rewards and penalties, which now, uh, which we now maintain at all costs, however distasteful and unjust they may be in themselves, because they are tremendously useful in promoting the accumulation of capital. We shall then be free at last to discard. End quote. So, that's pretty cool. I really like his <laughs> i really like his vision of the you know future. it is pretty cool man <laughs> so sam we're at the end of this how how are you feeling about about work in general uh, you know you okay i'll say it like this society takes an effort that everybody has to pay into absolutely right without it you don't have the things that your society needs to exist to, to maintain itself yeah and a society's, for my opinion, highest function and only real function is to provide safety for its citizens mm -hmm. against environmental or other societal dangers. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, you know, now that we're a global society, um, the only thing standing in the way of like our progress forward is obviously all the greedy rich people yeah and it feels that like are causing us to have to work this way right because let's be honest even if jeff bezos gave away half of his money it would like well it would seriously financially impact the world you know what i mean like yeah it would it would have a you you would 
you would see the shockwave, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be like if I donated all of my money and all my father's money and all of my mom's money, you know, like yeah. every member of my family could donate all their money into just whatever. And it would still and do it would good. Make that but it doesn't, impact. Yeah, it would still do good, but it doesn't ripple. And it also kind of feels like we have no, like, this is weird to say it like this, but we have no policing of these 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 hoarders of cash anymore you know we used to have like restraints on monopolies and and ways that we kind of main you know as we were talking about earlier you know ways that we could make wages rise with um corporate profit and it we just don't have again just some weird kind of police force overseeing any of this stuff that like no i guess what i'm saying is nobody fucking cares anymore and it it's really really weird to me (laughs) i mean the police force if you will, would be like the IRS, right? The way you mitigate how much money a very super wealthy person can collect is by taxing them on it, you know? Yeah. Um, You you tax that money to take it away from them. That's how society does that. Yep. That's how you do it. And, and, And in order to do that, you can't have fucking, you can't have 80 some odd year old 90 year old senators <laughs> uh uh who don't even know that they're fucking voting um it, yeah <laughs> uh m- m- making policy that's would, not that's even, not that's that's not that's not serving society i would even Sorry. raise the stakes a little bit and say like you know presidents they don't control the economy but we don't need 80 year old fucking presidents you know we need people who are going to look at the realities of things like there there are real conspiracies that are happening and Yo, we so often get six, distracted by by 65 65 60 65 that's a good yeah. in this day and age 60 that's a good age for our president to be i think, I so. think our president should be 60 years old yeah and, it, and again, you know, you got enough life ahead of you. You give a shit, right? You're old enough yeah. to see a couple of generations of kids, you know, behind and uh, know that there's future, you know, coming. But you, you still have your mental faculties and you're not goddamn having aphasias during press conferences <laughs> and uh, being unable to know that you're fucking taking a vote right now. And yeah. you actually have to have one of your staffers tell you you're voting yes right now. So then yeah. you go, yeah, I, I vote yes. Well, yeah, I think it was Feinstein and then Let's, McConnell. Yeah, Feinstein. Um, and, yeah, and, and then McConnell. Turtle boy. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, what we're seeing is is this like this world that is detached from reality and it is like that person going to tell us how much we get to be paid an hour and and how many hours we ought to work to just have i mean even look at the like the the moscow train derailment thing that happened i believe it was like a few days before i think it was moscow ohio or something like that um you know when the train derailed bunch of noxious chemicals a couple of weeks before that i think president biden shot down a a uh the strike of rail workers who were saying like we need two people riding these trains to ensure safety we need to improve the brakes we need to do this shit and that shit in, in order to prove things right and like the, 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 the fucking guys who were there who see what what's gonna go wrong and how it's gonna go wrong yeah and it the whole thing don't is, listen to them 
No, instead we we should have Elon Musk buy Twitter and fire half of those people and you know Rich and, and I hate to keep using him as a as an example but he is a good example of like oh, somebody man, who has money really just... and is not good at having money he's just I God lucky, I can't really. wait until him and Zuck have it out with each other Yeah, recent did you see the the recent news about that? There was a no so <laughs> Elon Musk I think yesterday as we're recording this so it was friday the 11th of august um i think elon posted something on x which is you know twitter where he was like you know i i'm gonna uh, i've got to wait to see because he's been working out a lot you know he's like i gotta wait to see if i can fight zuck because uh i might have to get surgery on my back and neck you know and he's implying because he's been like working out and like doing all this fighting training and shit like that and he's like so yeah i might have to get surgery so we'll have to plan it sometime after that which like i've i've known so many people who have had surgeries and like you don't bounce back from neck and back surgery like that it, and if you do it's gonna take fucking years and you had to be in prime fucking physical shape so anyway i mean look you if you're like like top of the fucking athletic uh heap you maybe can recover by next season yeah well and and the funny thing was was that elon was like with your built like a fucking refrigerator <laughs> you never fucking recover let me tell you what buddy well, you ever dropped a refrigerator out of a truck on the highway and, and it, the door closed right again no, no never no, no not well, possible and, and so the funniest Crooked the idiot. funniest thing about that was you know elon again was like well i threw my back out back surgery neck surgery blah 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 blah, blah. he's like why don't we do a, a combat with words and it was challenging. So he's literally like, hey, uh, I don't want to fight you anymore, but I will fight you with words. And it's, I don't know, just the way everything is. Because <laughs> he thinks he's Nobody being can see, You can't see my face, but I'm very nonplussed right now. Yeah, he's super nonplussed. This fucking guy. <laughs> what a what a coward. Yeah. What a, what a fucking tool. What a whole box of tool, a toolbox. He's a fucking and not one of those nice even, ones. From he's like not even Lowe's, like a real. Like a, he's not even like a real like toolbox. Like a shitty. He's like a child's Harbor Freight toolbox where like one of the casters doesn't work right. No, no, and no. And will like no, 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 pitch dude. over if you push it wrong and it hits that rock he's and a, the whole toolbox will fall. That's that guy. He's a child's playset who he thinks he's he's like trying to help his father uh, make Twitter better and then is just like not helping and spilling oil everywhere. That's what's go well, and honestly, that's what all rich people are doing, more or less, from my opinion, is is they are collecting all this wealth and then throwing it into super mega giga yachts that are. Not I'm sure saleable, there's one you know? or two. It's, it's I'm it's sure there's good. one or two that do a lot of good shit with their money, but most of them just do. Think at like, listen, people, think about this. If you're if you listen to this right now and you're like, those fucking billionaires deserve their giga yachts. They earned that shit. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. Think about it like this. How many fucking jet skis could you make from one of those giga yachts? It's a lot. It's now, a if we make giga yachts into jet skis, the price of jet skis would go down significantly. Amen. And everybody, including you, would probably be able to afford a fucking jet ski. Sam, that sounds like communism. Yeah, no, because you're <laughs> buying it with the money that you earned at your job. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> This isn't communism. No, goddamn, 
I just love that everything is communism, and especially talking about work and the way. And the roots today. go down, the leaf the leaves grow go up, dude. It's fucking kindergarten yeah. shit. That's what this is. Sharing. Anyway, thank you so much, Sam, for coming on and helping me talk about work. Do you have any it's, places that you want people to find you, follow you, or have you seen anything cool on the internet you want people to check out? No, nah, I mean the coolest thing I've seen on the internet is uh this. So. <laughs> this very show everybody's Black talking about that apples I'd, I'd like to plug that um in november a uh, big shout out to my dog ginger who's patiently over there right in front of the door yeah um waiting to go home to sleep <laughs> and um big shout out to all the people who uh banged each other so that i could <laughs> get here all right well that's enough sam it's good to talk to you again, buddy. Uh, it's good to talk to you buddy um so listener sam this is actually an announcement to you as well as the listeners i have started a patreon there's nothing on it yet but soon we'll be doing uh some behind the scenes videos we'll be doing some uh some short little clips that you guys can can come in and check out um also if you i guys... don't know what patreon is but it sounds it sounds communistic it, uh, bro it, it's a place where if people want to to donate to our show to to tell us add a boy they can go ahead and do that it is up and running but i don't have anything on it yet so uh listeners if you are enjoying this you can find us on facebook you can find us at what about Patreon. the i thought you were gonna start an only fans too well i did start one it's just uh, it I've, I've got a stage name that i'm not willing to give out so i am making hundreds yeah. of thousands from that though so oh okay yeah and it turns but out you can't afford to just get zoom that that's fine well you gotta understand sam uh I've got to save money. Only a loser spends money. So anyway, thank you guys for listening to the show. Sam, Damn. thank you. Thank you for being on. It's been an absolute Yeah, you're pleasure. welcome, man. As usual, thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.